1: And welcome everyone to another edition of Spits and Suds Post Game Edition, number six. I'm Gavin Spittle of 1053 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside Shap Shots, D Magazine. And his new book is titled We Win Here. It's about the Texas Stars and some of the players that are now on the Dallas Stars. He's Sean Shapiro. Happy Mother's Day, Sean. And uh, I wanted to start off with a positive.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is, uh, it is. it is mother's Day weekend uh, thank you to all the moms out there and uh, it's uh, it's funny it's how the timing of this worked I mean technology's great because I was I, I actually able actually watched the game on slight I watched the third period live um, I watched the I ended up catching up uh, watching the game. DVR in the game and then uh, fast forwarding through intermissions to catch up live because uh, had a nice uh, mother's day, uh, mother's day weekend dinner planned before the game time was ever set for all of this. So I blame the NHL for uh, not setting game times earlier for, for all that planning. But uh, so yeah, happy mother's day to everyone out there. And uh, it's uh, that's positive.
1: You know, I, I probably <laughs> as a good teammate, I should have just said, as you you know, cause I knew you were having to fast forward and I should have just said first period, two shots. I should have just <laughs> said that and then you could have just fast forward yeah. to the intermission.
0: Yeah, I could have, uh, I was really good about not checking Twitter or any updates or anything just, uh, then, uh, you would have saved me a lot of time in the first <laughs> period. And even, and even, and honestly, even, even the, uh, even the shot that went in the net, the, uh, wasn't really. It was a bit of a wonky one, anyway. So yeah,
1: yeah. Well, <laughs> let's let's start with the first period because I yeah. think it starts from there. And if you've heard Sean and I talk on podcasts, one of our frustrations is, and I think Sean, you said it's been the same way over three coaches in five or six years. I, the reality is, is it's a roller coaster ride as far as which Dallas Stars team is going to show up to start the game. And as we've also mentioned here, Seattle is one is known for their quick starts, their legs, their freshness, their energy out of the box, that third line, which proved to be dominant tonight. And I just took a step back and I said the following, it's a game six elimination game. I don't know how you start like that. I don't know how you don't. And, and I understand sometimes teams can dominate others. But that's when the physical play should enter the throw in the hit, the the causing traffic in front of Grubauer, just some kind of commotion to rile up your team. And I just felt as though and I don't want to diminish any of the players on this team because I don't want to make it personal, but I just felt like you know how do you not have those legs how do you not have that jump how do you not have that close out mentality Or even if it goes to a game 7 you know what you worked your butt off to try to finish this thing in 6
0: yeah it's i mean i you didn't learn it like it's it's and i i know i know the 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 stars team won't be like it's been it's kind of a fun storyline of hey this is following the narrative of the minnesota series but like minnesota game six like minnesota was ready to go minnesota was that was a team that was you saw that you kind of knew that they could potentially not quit on themselves but basically you could they were ready to be pushed out this seattle team you knew was going to bring it you knew that and you hit on it perfectly there, Gavin. It's you knew that Seattle was gonna bring it. You knew that they were gonna that they were that this was gonna be the start they were gonna have. And you didn't you match it, you didn't even come close to it. Yeah. Like it was it was a it was just it's it's something where it's this isn't a surprise. Like that that's the part to me that's like the whole thing where it's like and I don't know whether I don't know whether it's something you need more of a rah-rah speech in the locker room or you need someone to go hit some, whatever it is. Like you knew this was coming. You knew this is what Seattle was going to bring. And all, the, the biggest question was going to be what Dallas team showed up. And, and this is what you brought. And it's, it's, it's an embarrassing start to a game. It really is. Yeah. It's just, that's really all you can sum it up with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Pete DeBoer being uh, interviewed on television basically said that, um, So let's start with the focus, Jake Ottinger um, and his play tonight and get your thoughts.
0: Yeah. um, I thought uh, obviously it's not his fault. The stars decided not to show up in the, in the first period. Um, There's only so much a goalie can do, but at the same time, I was not pleased with his performance. We, he wants to really build this reputation as the closeout big game goalie. And there's so many little, there's some spots where when the team was falling apart, you could have gotten the save. Um, even like, so the, the Yanni Gord goal, obviously it's a really pretty piece of skill and piece of play and everything like that. but, but it's a play where Ottinger goes very immobile and very stagnant and just, I'd like to see him make the save there. And that is, uh, I I don't, I don't like that one. Um, the second and the, the fourth goal which got him pulled was clearly it was a backbreaking goal where, um, he has to make that save. I, I, I look at Ottinger's performance tonight where, overall in this series he's looked more human um the and tonight was not was not a good performance tonight was not the game where you claim you want to be one of the best goalies in the world this is not that game and this was the night you needed it when 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 the rest of the stars were struggling in the first period you need that save you need that guy to step up and i uh I wasn't it was kind of uh I was kind of surprised that they went with the hook after the fourth goal not that it was a not that it was the wrong decision but right. I was just kind of surprised that they went with the hook because at that point it's still these playoffs have been crazy teams can score goals we obviously saw Dallas scored some goals later and everything like that so I was a little bit surprised they did it because um it just it it goes kind of against the trend of the game was at least still there for the taking in theory. Like I'd like if you wanted to believe it as a coach. Um, So a little bit surprised they pulled him when they did, but I also don't disagree with it because he was, he was not there. He was not there tonight. He did not have his game. And um, that's disappointing too. You just add to the entire team start. You add to the entire team, what Seattle brought, but then um, you needed, this was a moment where Ottinger could have stepped up and, Um, smooth that over and he did not
1: yeah Uh, Mike Kelly NHL one day uh, ago on Twitter the Dallas Stars have 48 shots on net at the time inner slot where 53 percent of goals have been scored in playoffs in the second round most of any team the Kraken have 18 fewest of any team big reason Dallas has a 3-2 lead and I thought tonight you know the Kraken just went straight down the middle um and yep. and came at Dallas and I think that was one of the keys to the game for the first time really in this series I felt as though you know the Kraken were more effective in the middle of the ice
0: 100% 100% that was uh they were Seattle got to the to the best areas of the ice they got to the shot location if you take a look at the uh if you if you kind of if you went and tracked and and I didn't do it but if you went and, and plotted out where shots came from pretty distinct area that Seattle owned those hard areas that home plate area they call it um and Dallas just Dallas didn't do it and it's um i mean for the if you're the Kraken you're feeling great going into game 7 and yeah. if you're Dallas you're the one who's having a real long, hard look in the mirror uh, on the flight home tonight.
1: Yeah, especially with the Kraken in going into Colorado and finishing off that series, game seven in Colorado and knocking out the Stanley Cup champs. And I know you can say Cogliano was out, uh, Nachuskin wasn't playing, Landeskog was out, um, Manson was out. So, yeah, it was a banged-up Avs team, but at the same time, when you take the Cup champs out on their home ice – that's a huge confidence builder. So I agree with you. Uh, Seattle has a lot of confidence going into Game Seven on Monday night. So, Sean, I want to talk about the Paw Lindell yeah. pairing and yeah. how rough it was tonight. Two of the goals were line changes, and that frustrates me because, um, mm-hmm. you know, just just bad turnovers, bad passes. And two part question. I want, uh, did you get a chance to analyze that? You know, I thought they might, I thought DeBoer actually might make some defensive pairing changes in the third period. And that's the follow up. I think, you know, if you're, I think you have to put Colin Miller in for Hockenpost somehow. And if that means switching up the defensive pairings, I get it. But I think Colin Miller has to play in game seven.
0: I think, yeah, I think, I think performance. You, you, no, it's game seven. Your season is on the line. There are no secret cows. You, Yanni Hakenpah is, uh, you, you can't play, you you can't have him back in for game seven. You have to go, you have to bring Colin Miller back in. Um, Because, I mean, Lindell was what, minus four, Hawk and Paw's minus three. They're minus minus seven combined in a game where like as as bad as as much as the rest of the stars weren't great, like Thomas Harley won his k- kind of won his time on the ice. Joel Hanley, stars outscored Seattle when Joel Hanley was on the ice. Mirror yeah. was even like like this is a game that ends up being six three. And it's obviously there's there's then you can't put every single thing on them, but Lindell and Hawkingpot, like they were the like they got up they, they got on the ice and um Dave Haxtel's probably licking like licking his chops, yeah. like sending his guys over at that point. Like, oh yeah, they got those guys out there. We're gonna go at them. Like they they looked slow. They looked lost out there and um I, I don't see how you can consciously Say that that pairing that you can have that pairing and that you can go into Game Seven with Yanni Hakimpa in the lineup. You just you just yeah. can't you you, yeah. you you can't do it. You, it's it's the season is on the line. You have to make a change on that, and that's that's just the reality of it. Like we can you can discuss and we can debate what pairings you go with when Hakimpa goes out or whatever, but like like you you gotta you got to make a change.
1: Well, I, I agree because he looks slow and he's not using his physicality. So, Correct. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Okay. So I love to ask your expertise on these things and I've seen it the last few games and it kind of frustrates me. And is it normal to see? Specifically, Essa Lindell, a couple of times, I know Hanley um, did it a couple of games ago where stars defensemen are trying to make saves and like on one of the goals Lindell was right in front of Ottinger and he's sticking his leg out. How distracting that, I mean, you're a former netminder. How distracting is that? And is that their job?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an interesting space, right? Like I don't, you don't not, you don't not want a guy to make a desperation play like that if he has to but lindell too often puts himself in that spot to make that play like like if if, if there's a collapsing play and a rebound and whatever like and, and, and then you have to do something like that okay that's fine that that's fine but too often we see um lindell i think Lindell collapses in the zone and almost collapses in on his own goalie sometimes, and you don't have goalie pa- <laughs> you don't have goalie pads on. Don't like you don't need to be doing that. Like yeah. I, I don't want him as it. It really comes from a positioning thing. If he's collapsing so deep in on his own net, where he's putting himself in that spot, um, very inorganically, and I don't like it. Um, and it's for it's it's a bad habit that i think wasn't as far as lindell's game goes um it's it's something that used to be honestly a little bit more prevalent a couple years back under the uh uh, i believe it was under the i think it was under ken hitchcock I believe I got to. I got to make sure I might. The stars have had so many coaches; it's kind of comical. But like under, like under Ken Hitchcock's coaching, like he was. Uh, I believe he was not encouraged to do it, but he wasn't dissuaded from it, and so that bad habit really picked up in that season. And there's been some work from various coaches to kind of coach that out of him. But sometimes when you're feeling slow and the other team is bringing speed at you, you start to go to bad habits. And I think we've seen that with Lindell. Like I, I don't, you don't need Jake Andrews wearing the pads. You don't need to, you don't need to be the goal. Right. And, and, um, I, um, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's a space with Lindell where it's interesting to see because it's, it's a bad habit from four or five years ago. And it's to see it kind of resurface in this playoff series is, bit alarming and maybe just a, I'm not sure if it's a side effect of the speed that Seattle's bringing and he's getting kind of feeling gassed by it or, or something else, but either way, it's, it's, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: over-exaggerating by a deterioration in his overall game for Lindell or yeah, no. I, and, and I mean I, I, I think you have a great eye on this. Yeah. I I think the contract is a bit expensive. Mm-hmm. Um I've thought a lot in this series. Would I rather have an Essa Lindell at over six million or a Jamie Alexiak at 4.65?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you know, it's just my thoughts and yeah. hindsight 2020, and I get it. And uh I, I just I just, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I would like to see him um, play better. And uh, I, I'm just, I, I'm not seeing it. I, I think it was a decent season, but um, you know, it, it might just be me and my frustrations.
0: Yeah. I, I look at kind of, I think, I think we're seeing Esselindel and, and the contract is not aged well, but I also think we're seeing a bit of the, um, I think that contract was kind of given out when there was, we were still getting caught up in, we were still misreading agent curves, I think, or not misreading mm-hmm. them, but like, as they were changing, like, like S I believe got that contract before his 25, um, before his 25 year old season. And I, I thought S Lindell was very good as a, he had, as a 23, 24, even 25 year old NHL defenseman. but, many times we've learned and proven that for many players now, like we talk about Joe Pavelski all the time, we give him credit for breaking the aging curve, but the, the norm for an NHL player right now is I think your prime seasons are now the 24, 23, 25 seasons. And um, now the truly elite players break that and, and, and do that. But for the normal player and S. Lindell is a normal player where we've moved into the, the spot where, Aging is starting to come into effect, and it's and it's not that and it's not that aging is coming into an effect where, like, it's not like he's not in great shape and he can't play in the NHL for 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 four or five six more years longer. Just it's players continue to come in as younger, faster, quicker, right? And so it becomes the space where your prime, I think. I think kind of the prime window is we've already moved out of it with And Dell, um, and, and I, th- I think we're starting to see, I think this is kind of who he'll be for the next three, four seasons, but I don't think he's going to be the guy he was during the 2019 20 season before the stoppage. I don't think he's going to be the guy he was in 2018, 19 when he had 32 points in 82 games and he was pretty solid all over the place. I think this is, kind of what he is now. And unfortunately, it's the con it's hard to not isolate the player from the contract. This is kind of what he is. I mean there was a time there was a time Gavin where in the NHL almost and I still think there's a ton who would do it, but there's a time where 30 30 other NHL GMs would be knocking down Jim's Jim Neal's door to trade for S Lindo. Yep. That's that, that's where his reputation was at. I would argue now maybe that list is 15 NHL GMs. Okay, 16, but like I like I think that's kind of the best way to look at it. Where yeah. the people who are the decision makers and how they look at who he is, like I think that's kind of where where it's where he's gone in in his career now, and that's why Thomas Harley is the star's second best defenseman. One of the reasons Thomas Harley give Thomas Harley credit for what he's done, but also it's one of the re- his surroundings and the other. Their defensemen around him been aging. It's one of the reasons Thomas Harley is now the Stars' second-best defenseman, in my humble opinion.
1: That's great analysis.